1: Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcastg Hey, Sissy Goff.
0: Hey, David Thomas.
1: It's so fun to be back here. It's
0: so fun to be back here.
1: And I'm really excited about this season because I love the book Modern Parents, Vintage Values, and got so excited when we were talking about the idea of exploring some of that content this year. I love the way you all broke that book down. I love the topics you cover. And on that note, what are some of the topics we're going to cover this season? What are things we're going to talk about?
0: We are going to talk about so many things, from helping kids have more confidence, to warding off entitlement, to respect and how important that is. I mean, the things that kids are struggling with, I think today more than ever before. We're going to be talking about emotions in kids and how to help be aware of different things that we're seeing come up more and more. We're going to be talking about responsibility and how to help kids develop more of that. A lot of really important things in this modern world.
1: And we're going to have some more great guests.
0: We're going to have some great guests. Let's not give them all away. Okay.
1: No, let's let it be a surprise. Okay,
0: that's fine. (laughs)
1: We're really excited. Just a little teaser.
0: So let's talk a little bit about confidence. And I think we would both say one of the primary things about confidence we want to be aware of is that kids typically are much more confident as littles. And then as we see them march closer and closer to adolescence, it really wanes. We laugh a lot about this story when we talk about it in parenting seminars, And a lot of you all already know, but if you don't, I have a sister that was born when I was 16, and I was an only child till that point. And my mom says that my response when they told me they were pregnant is, I didn't know y'all did that anymore. So (laughs) there's that. But you can imagine, my parents were 43 when she was born. I was like I said, an only child at 16. And so Kathleen was adored and was really the mascot of my group of friends. I mean, all of my parents' friends, they didn't have kids. And so she was very doted on by a lot of generations of people. And I will never forget my mom talking about being out running errands one afternoon, and she took Kathleen to the jewelry store. And she had Kathleen sitting up on this jewelry case while she was doing something. Let me preface it by saying Kathleen had a really awesome lisp, which is so fun when your name's sissy. <laughs> and so Kathleen was sitting there on the counter and the woman said, Honey, you are so cute. What's your name? And Kathleen said, Well, my real name is Kathleen, but most people call me Sweetheart. <laughs> I love that because you I know the confidence too. she had at three or four years old. And then we fast forward to 13 or 14 years old. And as one girl said to me, it's like we shrink back. And I think we've got to be aware just in terms of even development that that's going to happen for them. And there are some things we can do that we're going to talk about really practically that'll help. But starting off, I would say the first thing is we want to acknowledge their strengths and their struggles with kids. Y'all know there's so much backlash from that whole everybody gets a trophy phenomenon. And what I think how we saw that probably play out with kids is that That kind of over-encouragement often translates to pressure for kids. When we're saying, you're so amazing, all the time they feel like they have to be amazing and that being amazing is tied to our love. And so even when you're thinking about encouraging your kids to be really specific, you have been so kind lately. I love how brave you are. I love how thoughtful you are. I love how hard you try on soccer, things like that. We want to be specific and not fall into that everybody gets a trophy phenomenon. And then the second thing played out for me on American Idol. I don't know how many of you watched American Idol over the years. I will definitely admit to watching it in the early years with Simon. And I don't know if any of y'all are like me, but man, it was painful. I got to where I wouldn't even start watching it until however many episodes in after they got past the first round because I just couldn't even watch how mean Simon was to people. He was terrible. And I always thought it was fascinating. These people that would come on and sing a song and they would butcher it. I mean, y'all remember if you were watching, they would just butcher the song and At the end of that first song, they would get the golden ticket that meant they were going on to the Hollywood round or not, and someone would sing terribly, not get the golden ticket, and they would look shocked, which I was shocked for them at that point. But what surprised me even more, and y'all are going to remember this, they would walk out of those double doors, and their parents were standing there, and their parents were equally as shocked. And I always thought, did you not hear him sing in the shower? Like, how did you miss that this guy does not know how to sing? And I think that's that same everybody gets a trophy idea. When we do that, we're also teaching kids that it's not okay to be average and that we can't Mm -hmm. even talk about where they struggle. And the reality is your kids are not going to be great at everything. And it's good for them to be able to acknowledge that, to know that they don't have to be. I talked to a couple this week who have a 17-year-old daughter And the dad was so interesting. I mean, he was talking about her grades. She's making A's and B's, but he's disappointed that they're not all A's. And he said, she's just not striving for excellence in all things. And I said, I don't know an adolescent who strives for excellence in all things. I mean, that's just not even possible. And it's too much pressure for them. And so... To be able to say to your kids, you know what? It's fine that you're not the best soccer player. I wasn't either when I was growing up, but you're amazing with your little sister. Or that math is hard for you. That's okay. It's hard for a lot of people, but wow, you hit it out of the park with English. I think they feel like we're paying better attention, that we know them better when we speak to those things. And there's room to not be perfect in all things. And, you know, we could talk so much and will in ongoing weeks about the anxiety epidemic and kids. And I think that's part of it, that pressure to get everything perfectly. And the last thing I would say in light of that is we want to really pay attention to praising their effort and not the outcome. Yes, I think that helps alleviate a lot of the pressure too, where there's not the sense of, I've got to get it right. I've got to get all the things right. So think about talking to them about trying hard, doing their best, and their effort more than the outcome of the situation. David, what would you add?
1: You know, when you were talking about Really knowing their strengths and naming those, I think it's a great lead-in into one I wanted to talk about, which is just enjoying them. It feels like it fits so much with what you were just saying. And I love when you talk about with girls that girls who are delighted and feel more delightful, and I think the boy version of that might be boys who are enjoyed feel more enjoyable, and I think we can do that best when we really know who they are and what they love. We talk mm-hmm. so often about becoming a student of the kids we love and figuring out not just who they are, but what are the things in this season, in this particular stretch of development that they love to do the most? And how could we be more a part of that for the sake of knowing them? Mm-hmm. And I think that's key because, you know, for example, I challenge a lot of moms to let their sons teach them a video game. And I don't know a lot of adult women who love video games, <laughs> and that is so okay. The objective is not that you'd fall in love with video games but you'd be more interested in something that he loves.
0: I've learned more about excavators in the last six months than you I've ever known sure in my life. sure have,
1: yes. Yes. You could walk a construction site like no one, <laughs> couldn't you? <laughs> well, and I think, you know, every one of us would say that we want to feel like people are interested in the things that yes. we love. And my wife and I have a long-standing joke that she loves gardening. And I just think... Gardening is a fancy word for yard work. Like, I don't <laughs> love it and it's not enjoyable and it just feels hot and like another form of mowing. But I do love watching her do something that she loves. I love learning more about something that interests her. And so hold on to that as you think about where your kids are in this moment. Like, what would it look like to lean farther into? If you've got littles, it might be Legos or American Girl dolls. If you've got adolescents, it might be music, movies. You talk so much about going to coffee shops with girls. They love going to coffee shops. I talk a lot about eating queso with boys, eat a lot of queso with adolescent boys. But think on what it would look like to be more interested in the things they enjoy. Talk about another.
0: David, did you get your taxes finished? (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) What are you eating?
1: Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone.
0: Where did you get them?
1: Thrive Market.
0: Oh, how much do we love Thrive Market?
1: I could record an entire podcast about that topic.
0: You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from The Honest Kitchen.
1: I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on.
0: (laughs) From pets to kids to grownups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive.
1: Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver.
0: I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs.
1: Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks.
0: And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order?
1: I saved $32.
0: I saved over $12.67.
1: How much did Patches save?
0: (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am.
1: You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month.
0: Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give.
1: I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift.
0: That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Yeah, I think the third idea that I would say is we want to think about making home safe. I'll never forget a girl who came to me and she was struggling so much in school with friendships and she said, you know, my days at school are so hard and people just are not kind to me. I feel like I don't fit. I don't have a place. And she said, and when I get home, things are equally as hard at home. And my parents are really critical of me these days. And she was an adolescent, so it's easy to be critical of them sometimes because they're not the worst versions of themselves. But she said, it seems like home is supposed to be the safest place of all and it doesn't feel very safe right now. And I mean, again, I get that, but it does need to feel like the safest place of all. And I think that directly impacts their confidence when it doesn't. And so we would really encourage you to think about what's happening in your home that might be getting in the way of them feeling safe. Is it conflict between the two of you as parents? Is there a lot that's been happening because that is significantly gonna impact your kids even when you're not aware of it? Even when you think the conflict is a long way away from them and they're not hearing it, we would both say they're hearing it and they're picking up on it more than you know. So is there conflict like that? Is there conflict with them? Is there too much pressure like we've been talking about? Are they absorbing too much pressure from you? Any of those things can add to that Y'all have heard us say this before, but David and I both really believe that every parent has one child who pushes their buttons more than the others, and it's often the child who's most like you, or it's the oldest child of your same gender, and that child feels like an extension of you like nobody else. With that one, with your button pusher, it is easy to ride them and to stay on them to where they just feel discouraged. They feel like they're having way more failures than successes. We say this with parents all the time anyway, especially teenagers, but I think thinking about it with your button pusher, let the bottom 20% go. What are the the battles that you can choose right now if you think about it and think, I really am on them all the time? What are the things you can pick to let go of? Because your kids, like David said, your kids need to feel enjoyed. They need to feel believed in and who they see themselves as reflected in your eyes is what they believe is true about them. And so we want to enjoy them and be building those things in because that kind of confidence is going to take hold, even in the midst of adolescence, when you're not seeing it on their faces as much.
1: We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you a new streaming service designed just for kids. Minno has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders, so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.goM-I-N-N-O.com to start your free trial. One more idea that we believe strongly in is to help kids learn to give. And research tells us that one of the greatest elevators of self-esteem for any one of us is moving outside of ourselves and giving. We find meaning and purpose, connection and fulfillment, and it increases confidence for kids. We talk a lot about how the kids we worry the most about in our offices are kids who don't believe they matter. They don't feel a strong sense of purpose. That feels like one of the greatest areas of vulnerability with kids. And so, giving, serving, volunteering allows kids to experience that they matter. It's also a biblical calling on our mm-hmm. lives as well. And I think throughout development, that feels so important from little biddies who we're going to be doing that with them, alongside them, to adolescents who are going to do that on their own. I would argue strongly, I don't know about you, but I talk so often with parents of middle school kids that feel in that between space, like maybe they've outgrown a camp they went to at elementary school or they're too old for VBS, but they're not old enough to get a part-time job in the summer. And that middle space, I think there's no other pocket of development where kids are going to feel as unsteady, insecure, unsure of who they are. Yes. And so I think in that stage, kids' work can be serving and volunteering. Mm -hmm. And Keep in mind to look within the bounds of your own neighborhood, your own city. I think we so often think about kids having missions trip experiences, which we love and believe in strongly, but in our cities. One of my favorite things that my church has done for years and years is a week in the summer for families that they call Hope for Nashville, where they just partner with all these nonprofits across the city, and you can pick and choose the things that you feel the most passionate about, and you just go out into our city— and serve and give. And they've created opportunities. And I think any city anywhere could do that. You know, churches within any city could be a part of something like that. That again, from little bitties all the way up to adolescents, just give kids a sense of mission and purpose.
0: Mm, I love that, David. Let's talk about three really practical intentional practices in terms of instilling and building confidence in kids. So the first intentional practice, I would say, is to work on a strengths assessment with your kids. And we laugh a lot. David has a great one of those that he's going to preview in a second that we talk about in the intentional parenting season. But it's funny, when we have guys and girls list their strengths and their struggles, guys are much more likely to talk about what, David?
1: Their strengths.
0: (laughs) And girls are much more likely to talk about their struggles. And part of that, I think, is they're more aware of them a lot of times. That's what they're focused on more. But the other piece of it is I think girls have a hard time feeling like they sound prideful or like they're bragging if they talk about strengths. And so I think it could be a really cool thing to do, not just have your kids do, but have at the dinner table where you talk about personally. These are three things I'm proud of myself about right now. And these are three areas I'd like to grow where you're individually doing that. And as a family, will you talk about what it looks like as a family?
1: Yes, I think it's so easy to do. You could do this with kids who can't even write and you could be the reporter, but just have a sheet of paper for everybody in the family, sit down together, draw a line down the middle of the page and just put on one side, what are three things I'm good at? And then on the other side, what are three things that I'm not good at or I wanna improve on? And it could be a great tool for jumping off to set some personal goals. It could also be something that you pass around like pass to the left and everybody gets to add to a family member's strengths, but not to their weaknesses.
0: Yes. I love that. I think
1: parents can do that with kids, but I wouldn't let siblings do that with siblings because I think they could take advantage of that in a way that's not so helpful to the relationship, but a great tool for helping kids build
0: awareness. Mm -hmm. I think
1: it's a great tool for families to work with.
0: And it's so good for them to see that you realize there are things that you need to work on that you're not as great at sometimes too. What would you add as a second intentional practice?
1: I would go back to what I talked about with giving. And my practice I'd recommend would be to host a brainstorming session where you as a family could just make a list of local needs on your street and your city And then back to being a student, work at matching the needs with what your kids love, where they feel a particular passion. So if you have a child who loves animals, they might want to volunteer at a local animal shelter where they're walking dogs. Or if you have a teenager who feels really passionate about serving in the space of human trafficking, I have a dear friend right now, and she and her daughter are volunteering at a cafe in our city that serves and supports women who have come out of trafficking and addiction. And they bus tables at this restaurant. I know. And and so I just think all the different ways where we could really match kids' needs and interests to the needs that exist Mm -hmm. in our city.
0: Love that. The third thing I would say is in a really practical sense, you know, there's so much out now about a growth mindset. And so many kids do not come with that. They don't have that. Parents will sit with us and say, they will not do things they're not fantastic at out of the starting gate. And so they don't even ever learn to do a cartwheel because they don't want to learn to do a cartwheel. That sense of growth and learning something is really hard and foreign for them. They need to learn things. And so For you as a family to do something alongside them where you're all learning together is so important. For you to go to a batting cage, to play pickleball together, to take an art class, something new where you can grow together and they can see the process, not just on you, but they can learn and laugh as they grow with you and alongside you.
1: And now we're going to have a chance to hear from Melissa, who is going to anchor us to some truths. And you all in the book, in Modern Parents' Vintage Values, call them timeless truths.
2: Yes, we do. Timeless truths. Timeless being not affected by time. The truth that we're talking about that is the Word of God. In Isaiah 40, six through 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Psalm 100, verse 5, talks about how the Lord is good, and his love, his truth endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Oh, isn't that what we want to hear? Truth. So that's what we're talking about, is timeless truth. And so often, I think that's translated into, for parents especially, endless resources. Stacked up beside our bed sometimes, or all on our computers. And the truth can become, what works? What really works? What's a guarantee? And it can be something like, Here are 10 statements to never say to your children. And then 10 statements to always say to your children. Or then it may be 10 statements to say when you said what you should never say to your children. We hold on to those. It can be five simple activities that will make your child happy. And five more that will make your entire family happy. Well... We think it's probably not going to work, but let's try it. We want to see what works. Today, I would like to talk about 10 timeless truths guaranteed to make you a confident parent with a confident child. That's what I'd like to talk about, but I don't have the guarantees. But what we're going to talk about today is what is truth. Where does our confidence come from? And after going back and studying and thinking through this and listening to David and Sissy and all the practical great ways that they say, I can say with confidence that confidence comes from truth. And to live confidently is to trust in truth. And truth is what we read in Isaiah forty. Psalm 100, and all through the scriptures, it is the word of God to trust in truth, to rest in truth. I think the first thing is to be reminded and to remind. In 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15, I always want to remind you of these things, even though you know them, and you're established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live. I love that. And I feel like that's so much of what you are doing as a parent, of what teachers are doing, of what we are doing for each other, is to remind each other of truth. And as the writer says here, I'm going to remind you of what you already know and have even been established in this truth because you need to be refreshed. And your memory, it can be very short. That is his purpose at this point. I tell the kids this a lot at camp. One of the greatest things that a friend can do is remind each other of truth. And we are rooted in the truth of God's love. We already are. So often when I talk at camp, about confidence, and I say the word confident, I can feel the energy, see them start to rise up some, because there is something in every person that longs to be confident, that longs to be sure of who they are and their purpose and who God has made them to be. How important it is to remind each other of that. Years ago, I remember I was struggling, going through a rough time, and I had a friend that told me truth, gave me some scripture, and just encouraged me along the way. And it really made a difference. It really helped. It felt like a guarantee for about an hour. And then I needed to call her back. And I said, would you tell me again what you just said? A week later, I'm sorry, but would you tell me again? Now, hopefully your memory is longer than mine, but I need to be reminded of what is true and what God says. The second thing that I would say in helping your child be confident is taken from Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. But encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. To encourage. How important. To encourage one another. I see this encouragement in action all summer long with the kids. It's very simple. They may not quote the scripture, but they sure do experience the truth of encouragement. A lot of times this summer, they would be learning a new skill of what it means to wake surf. And usually what I would hear in the boat over and over and over are these three words. You got this. You got this. You got this. And I started to think, well, what if they don't got this? And many times they didn't. And I asked someone, so now what are you going to do? You told them they got this and they didn't get up. And then they said, well, you simply say, you'll get it this time. You'll get it this time. Or they'll say, you almost had it. I love that they didn't even flinch at being able to shout out the words, you got this. And even when we fall flat on our face, which we will, We need that encouragement, to be encouraged, to say there is something deeper in you. There is a person that is so loved by God, and you can walk in that love. Many times, the person who is having a hard time getting up will say, what am I doing? Can you tell me something I can do? And those are words that I think you as parents and we who are working with kids that we want to hear is the question of, tell me what to do. What am I doing? And there is a trust that's there. Then I hear them very simply say, dig your heels in, bend your knees, let the boat pull you up. There is nothing like asking and there being a response. So many times we are yelling out, The words of encouragement. And it sounds more like we're angry or we're pushing or we're pressuring someone. My dogs always teach me so much, and dog trainers have tried to teach me along the way. They would tell me at times, You need to be confident with Blueberry. And so I would try to be. I would say, Sit, Blueberry. And then the trainer would come to me time after time and say, I didn't say be angry. Be confident. And that's what I would say to you as parents. Let your confidence be evident in your encouragement. But sometimes we think that is yelling out instructions from a boat on how to do something. You got this, is encouragement that I believe kids receive and really want to hear. The next word in that scripture is to spur Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. To spur means to urge, to incite, to stir up, to experience truth. As I said, my dogs have taught me so much, and I have Blueberry right now. And the dog before Blueberry, an old English sheepdog, her name was Molasses. And she had, from the day she was born, really bad hips. And so when we would walk, she would start to slow down and limp. And all I had to say was, come on. And her pace would pick up, and she would begin to move faster. The tone of your voice makes such a difference in helping a child be confident. To spur, as I said, is to urge, to incite, to stir up. To experience truth and to experience in the scriptures means to action so often. And in this scripture, it says to love, to spur them on to action. And that builds up confidence when they experience that their lives make a difference, that they matter. There's a book called Every Moment Holy, and this is from Volume 1. Give me grace, O God. Give me grace to love others, to move toward them when my instinct is to run. Here is my social clumsiness, my insecurity, my weariness, my fear of rejection. And here also is my desire to be your emissary and your child. Use them. You did not call me to be cool, to be sophisticated, to be charming, to be the life of the party. You did not call me to be a social butterfly or to work the room. You call me simply to love, even in my own bungling way. Somehow use my weakness, O oh God, in the service of your kingdom. Oh, I could go on and on with that. but I feel like that's so much of what to spur, to urge your child to action. For it's in giving, even when we feel clumsy, and what we say, which so many kids are feeling. What I say doesn't make a difference, or no one ever laughs at my jokes, but it's helping to spur them on to give, to love, to be aware of other people. And I am so thrilled when I see that that's what happens so often with kids, how capable they are of being rooted in love as you are called to remind them, to encourage them, to spur them on to action, your confidence as a parent, I do believe, is built up in him. Confidence comes from truth, the truth of God's word, which will last. Confidence can be lived out as we are rooted in the love of God and the purpose that he has for us. This is just a taste of what you can do, but I think so much along with what David and Sissy, the truths that they share, that we always go back to what is the truth that will last forever in our lives. I know that this topic on confidence has been very difficult for me. I have wrestled with it, and I feel like, all summer long really work hard to encourage kids to be confident in who God has made them to be and what was God thinking of when he made them and how special they are and I love to encourage that but I sure struggle with it I have wrestled all my life and I have experienced confidence in his truth so many days but I love That the experience has been enough to give me a confidence, as it talks about in the rest of Second Peter, to even begin an organization like Daystar. I believe, I believe that we can be confident and grow in confidence in his truth.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love, and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.goMinno.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-in-n-o.com.
0: It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.